Yo, what is going on, everybody? It is James of the Everything Cavaliers podcast, and today we have something special cooked up for you guys. Last night after the Cavs-Mavs game, I hopped on the Blue Hardwood podcast with my good buddy Brian Zillum to talk about the game and, you know, where we see both of our teams potentially going. Had a really good discussion there. We talked a little general NBA afterwards, but we tried to keep it mainly to the two teams that we support. Brian and I have been friends for a decent amount of time now, and he is the one who helped me get into the podcasting realm. So without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, I'm going to put the ad read right at the beginning, so it's just uninterrupted content for you guys. And thanks for listening. I'll catch you on the flip side. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Are you a member of San Antonio Spurs Nation? If you are, stand up. If you are, stand up. That's right, because this is a fucking Spurs podcast. I am Robert Trejo Jr., your host here at ABSP. And here, we're talking all things San Antonio Spurs basketball, baby. We'll talk NBA as well. We'll have occasional guest hosts dropping in from time to time. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast jam on, we are there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for special Spurs content. And you already know what it is. Go Spurs, go. Hey everybody, thanks for stopping by. My name is Brian and I host the Blue Hardwood Podcast. The Mavericks just wrapped up their uh, game versus the Cavaliers this evening. A uh, 131-111 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. A little bit, it was close for about three-fourths of the game and the Mavericks decided to finally put it away in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mavericks are now 4-2 in the season. The Cavs now 2-4. But I've got... My good friend, James Locklear, uh, joining me on the podcast today to talk uh, about the game. James does host a uh, podcast related to the Cavaliers. It's called Actually Everything Cavaliers. Um, James, what's going on, man? How's it going, Brian? Glad to be back on the channel. It's been been too long, my friend. It's been too long. I know. We can't. We, <laughs> we got to stop hanging out and chatting like this. But, uh, you know, obviously, unfortunate circ- set of circumstances that the uh, – Cavs, uh, you know, couldn't hang with the Mavs uh, towards the end of the game. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I, you know, they just couldn't. I would say the bigs and KP are, you know, the bigs. KP, Boban, and Luka kind of let, led the Mavs to victory. But not not a bad effort by Cleveland by their standards. I, I feel like they definitely competed for a good amount of the game. And that's really all you want in, a, you know, a very young team where you got a second-year point guard uh and then a first year point guard in your starting lineup yeah it's definitely a night and day difference between the coaching anyone who's watched this team even just one time last year before kevin love came back healthy you can tell that there's just such a difference in one the offense and two just the the energy and fight in general but throughout the whole team i mean colin sexton he's always gonna fight for you but even the rest of the guys the other nine or ten guys they 
they've been fighting really hard this year, I, and I really hope that continues. They've been really fun to watch so far, surprisingly. I was going to say, James, Kevin Love's looking pretty fit. Like, he's uh, looking pretty bouncy. Uh, has he lost some weight? Yeah, he's – um. see, I if you followed any of the summer Kevin Love like I, like I did and many of Cleveland media did, he – all he does is work out and like go to sick ass places. He just travels all over the place. And I think he said his goal is to lean out as much as possible, which I mean, doesn't sound like a great idea considering how fragile he's been in the last five years. But, you know, he has a modeling career now, so he's maybe he's thinking of life after basketball a little bit. But yeah, he's definitely very lean for a big at this point. He looked like like UCLA Kevin Love, like very just fit and lean. And then it looks like that those first couple of years in Minnesota where he was like, it seemed like he was getting 25, 8, and 6 every game. But no, I, I was completely unaware of what his offseason was looking like. Then is that, you know, that's pretty cool. Is, has he like gone vegan or anything like that to change up his diet? Um, I don't think he's gone vegan. He just. He just eats extremely well, you know, as they have all the these NBA players have all the resources in the world. So I think he has like a nutritionist and stuff like that, personal chef, as I feel like you should at that point. But, yeah, he just he's learned how to take care of his body since, you know, he saw the really chubby days at UCLA and early Minnesota. And that maybe frightened him a little bit, as I think it does a lot of people who go through a giant like transition mm-hmm. and weight loss. But I think he's uh I think he's pleasantly surprised at where he's at at this point, even if it does cost him a little bit of some durability on the court. Yeah, I mean he may not have like I guess the girthiness, but as the game has evolved, I feel like that weight change is gonna only help him because that's only gonna get him a little bit more mobile, where he can draw those like bigger, slower defenders out, and he can just drop a three uh, on them like he was. Doing it in the first quarter, I mean, my God, it was like the Kevin Love show for the you know the first quarter where he dropped 16, didn't uh, do anything in the second quarter, but he was uh, for some reason he likes playing, he loves playing against the Mavericks for whatever <laughs> reason. Like he just uh, he sees the Dallas uh, emblem and he's like, oh okay, I'm gonna just go crazy. And you know the first quarter naturally he did, and then uh, second quarter I'm not really sure what happened where he, they just got away from him. I know he. He went to the bench, and then, uh, you know, and, yeah, we didn't really hear from him after that, really. Yeah, I think Beeline maybe sat him a little bit too long. And mm-hmm. I know I peep, I check Twitter every now and then during the game, too, just to see what, if I'm thinking the same thing some other people are. And that was the general consensus is that Beeline kept him on the bench a little too long. He lost his rhythm, and he didn't, I mean, he didn't score in the second quarter, so... I think he should, probably should have brought Kevin in a little bit sooner. But at that point, the game was still close. Mm-hmm. So I think he was just trying to give him adequate rest to ramp up for a, another second-half fight. Yeah, because that first quarter, you had Love with a big performance. Mavericks actually had seven turnovers in the first quarter as well. So if you could have written a script for a Cavs upset potentially, you know, that, that you know, was part one of a you know that four-part plan for the Cavs to actually win but you know Luca was great in the first quarter uh to his uh uh, with his game he had actually 13 points he was five for five field looking great 
you know, se- second quarter, uh, it was actually it was the Jordan Clarkson show. He decided to, you know, be a pain in the butt off the bench and just started bombing threes and uh, keeping the Cavs afloat. And then uh, Luca started just gradually taking over again and was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm here. This is a, a home game for my uh, homeland people. And then uh, I'm going to just show with the league why I'm an NBA all-star, or almost a superstar at this point. And, uh, you know, he was great. It was a little concerning personally that KP didn't actually get his first bucket of the game and with until like seven minutes left in the uh, second quarter. Uh, but it, I did notice the second quarter, obviously, Carlisle knew the, the Cavs were a little undersized and they wanted to at least take advantage of that, playing a little bit more uh, Boban in this game because he hasn't obviously had a lot of minutes in this se- you know se- young season so far. But it was encouraging for Carlisle to acknowledge and notice Hey, the Cavs don't really have a guy above six nine, so let's try to pound them inside. Yeah, it's John Henson really would have helped in this game. He's played eight minutes as a Cavalier in about a little under a year because we traded for him near the deadline last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he played eight minutes against the Pacers in the first game, and he has like a quad injury, I think, so he's out two to four weeks. And he's our only guy that's really even close to seven feet. Like, Ante Zizic hasn't played either. He's been hurt, and I don't think he'd make the rotation anyways. And Kevin Love, 6'8 or 6'7. Larry Nance is 6'7. Tristan Thompson's, like, 6'8. So, I mean, we this was a horrible matchup forward-wise for the Cavs. And, I mean, I'm happy they fought so hard, but, but there's only so much you can do when you're at such a size disadvantage. Yeah, that's, you know, what are you going to do? I mean... KP seven three, Boban's like seven, you know seven four seven five. He's just, he, it's not fair because basically they can just lean over them. Uh, you know any of the Cavaliers, people trying to box out and inside and just say, oh no, I'm gonna just steal this rebound away from you. I mean Boban at times he doesn't even need to jump because he could just like sit there and just uh you know outreach everybody and channel his inner Space Jam and just outstretch everybody and just. Uh, drop uh drop a the basket uh you know drop you know drop a, a drop a basket for sure and you know and even with all that said i mean Cav- the Cavs still kept it close uh i would say at least the first and second half the, the mavericks did close the first and second quarters very well i believe they closed the first and second quarters of the game on 18 to 5 runs which uh you know put at least put an arm's length, um, you know, to the Cavs at that point when they were still fighting uh, to, um, you know, keep and, you know, hang around, so to speak. At least, you know, when the third quarter started, I, I want to say at least the Cavs went, scored the first, like, six, eight, eight points, and then um, they actually took the lead. Um, I think they were up as much as four in the third quarter. And then the uh, Luka Magic just... Keeps on keep, keeping on, James. This was the second second straight triple double, his eleventh triple double of his career, and it was like no, it was a show because he was like great from the field. So it wasn't just like he was getting just chippies like from the foul line or anything like that. He was just very efficient offensively. Like loved what he was doing. I I would have liked him to go to the basket a little bit more personally, but I mean you can't. 
you know, argue with the results. Um, uh, I thought Osman, you know, I thought he was doing like a, a reasonable job on him defensively. I, I think at this point, you know, Luke is so good. I don't think you're going to necessarily shut him down, but like you obviously probably want to force him to shoot a little bit more step back threes, if anything. But I mean, you know, if he's shooting, you know, 30, two percent you know and if he's shooting 50 percent from threes from games and you know you're kind of screwed anyway right yeah it's if the Cavs are going to win this game because i know in the overtime game against the lakers a couple nights ago luca was like it was like 10 of 23 or something like that from the field in that ballpark and if the Cavs are going to win luca was going to need to be in that realm again not being super efficient but uh yeah you can only do so much with a guarding a player with as Lucas caliber. I don't think Jetty did a bad job either. And honestly, I was when the bench unit came in, Kevin Porter Jr. got that assignment to to guard Kevin Porter or not Kevin Porter Jr. He got the assignment to guard Luca and I was like, "Oh god, this is this is going to get bad cuz I mean, he's he's a rookie wing player who's hasn't grown into his body yet and he tends to get into some foul trouble so I'm like, "Okay, he's probably going to pick up like 3 fouls in 2 minutes." But he actually didn't do a terrible job, which I was impressed with. But like I said, you can't. You can only do so much. You have to force him to shoot, and um, and he shot the lights out tonight for the most part. So on on that front, you can't. There's not much more they could have done, really, because I don't think Luke got that many like wide open looks. No, uh, there was a couple possessions like a kind of on scramble plays where yeah, you know, the Mavericks have the went uh, you know got the loose ball and then they'd kick it out and Luca would be wide open in the corner for a three there there were a couple occasions like that where Mavericks just got the loose ball and then Luca uh either took a step back or was wide open in the corner and he just drilled it um you know very very great game from him uh, you know nine for 17 for the uh from the field very nice I think he actually finished with a he was a plus 15 overall for the game and uh i did like you know kevin's uh kevin love game you know he i feel like he looked really well um you know sexton obviously i feel like he's still got a lot of uh a lot of growth Uh, there's uh, there's opportunity there for sure i I think from what i've seen uh from his game it seems like he's got a lot of opportunity to to work with his uh jump shot and his selection right yeah it's his selection still isn't all that great but it's improved mightily from like the first half of last year now instead of taking long twos he's actually taking threes i mean he gets tunnel vision he's not a good passer like you and i probably have better court vision than he does at this point but he's he's a pretty i mean he's a rugged like he's his game's never gonna look pretty it's very i don't know it's just ugly to me but it's gotten it's worked to an extent so far. He's only a second-year player, so I'm not like super concerned about it. I don't expect him to be a star or anything. I think his ceiling is probably like maybe like an Eric Bledsoe type. That mm-hmm. might be the ceiling, but he's probably going to be like a good six-man, like a top-five six-man in the league, like ideally. So, yeah, I'm not expecting perfect shots from him. Knowing what he is, I feel mm-hmm. like expecting anything more would be kind of unfair and unrealistic yeah and it how do you feel like so far the experiment with him and garland in the same unit are going so far um i 
I think net rating wise, their starting lineup is actually like, I th- what is it? I think it's like top 15. I know we're like six games in, but it's like top 10 or top 12 in like net rating, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know about after tonight, but going into tonight, they had a good net rating. And even though Garland's not shooting the ball well, he's a much better facilitator than Sexton is. So they kind of work well together. And he, and again, Garland isn't hitting his shots to the clip that I think we'd all like, but he's played six games of organized basketball in the last year. So that's kind of expected, but he he has the range, or he's getting to have the range of like a Steph and a Trey Young, because he can, he can pull it from deep. I think he had one in this game where it was like solid five or six feet behind the three-point line. You're like, wow, that's it's coming from a 19-year-old, so... I think this their starting unit is definitely their best lineup, and so far it's been a success considering all things and how young the team is and stuff like that and the roster talent. So, so far I'd give it a thumbs up, but we'll see how it goes. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so that way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast. How cool is that? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And do you think the coaching change actually could help all these young players in a way? Oh, 100%. I, last year, I mean, Larry Larry Drew doesn't didn't know if he wanted to coach anymore. Like, the life was sucked out of the guy. I felt hor- I felt bad for him. But, yeah, Beeline, this is, I mean, this is his first stint in the NBA after such a long time. And coming from a college system, like the college uh, ranks, he's taking over a young team where he gets to develop players like he did in college. But these guys are obviously more talented than a lot of the guys that he coached in college. So I think he's kind of like able to really get a hold of like really, really good talent now. And Mm. I mean, the veterans have seemed to really reciprocate well to him. They've ever nothing but good things. I mean, that's kind of cliche, I guess, because when are you going to say a bad thing about like a new coach who comes in? But it seems like, he's really hitting with all the players and clearly the offense is a million times better than it was last year. Cause the ball's actually moving. They're actually getting open shots now, which they weren't really last year. So I definitely think beeline and the staff he's brought in, they've done a really good job so far and I'm excited to see what they do the rest of the year and going forward. Yeah. Cause with beeline kind of coming from that, that he's got that college pedigree where there, maybe there's a chance where he's maybe a little bit more patient, you know, be like, he, you know, he's not a spring chicken. I think he's in his sixties, right? So yeah, he's 66, he, I believe. Yeah. Right. So it's not like he, he's got decades of coaching left in him. So I think he's going to try to take advantage of this opportunity, I feel, but he's also going to, I feel like have fun with it. So I, and I think maybe there's a chance where maybe these younger guys who are 19 and 20, maybe buy into him a little bit more where they're not necessarily like dealing with these coaches that are like barely 30 trying to drive, like drive in like analytics into mm-hmm. their like uh, lineup and system. And 
maybe uh, with Beeline coming from that kind of familiar background, that could certainly maybe help like a guy like Sexton and Garland's development moving forward, and then whatever else young talent they distract, you know, they, they decide to, um, you know, add to the, the nucleus moving forward. I, I think that'd be very fun. I mean, hopefully, you know, he stays around as long as they can, and uh, you know, he works out. That, that for you guys, that yeah, worth the. Uh, Drew situation kind of just you know like you said I think you I couldn't have said it any better it seemed like he was kind of just burnt out overall and I and I get it I mean that was kind of just a lot to deal with in general so well I certainly wish him the best of luck the fourth quarter though kind of just to go focus a little bit on the game again James it was certainly just the uh, after Luca decided hey I'm gonna just go ahead and drop another triple double very efficient triple jo- double of the uh, 29, uh, 15 assists and 14 rebounds, very, that was, you know, awesome. KP finally decided to take over and just pull up from three. I mean, he was a beast in the paint, too. I, I feel like he, okay, so they did go back and adjust his blocks. They said five initially, but they put it back at six, which I thought that's what he should have had. Um, but he was really great, uh, even though at Initially through the game, I felt like they weren't really hitting him a lot, just offensively or trying to set up anything for you know for him inside. But I'm glad he still kept engaged in the game because, especially from a superstar, I know that can be frustrating at times when you're not touching the ball, you know, you're not getting your baskets, you're not getting your looks, you're not getting your touches. So I know that can be difficult as a player overall. But it was so encouraging to see a guy like him still you know, show that effort on the floor defensively. And that I believe there was a, a transition where he got a block. Uh, Luca rebounded the ball. They drove down, and then uh, I believe he did get a three in a transition type of situation because he got that block. So it was, it was very encouraging to see. I know that. And, you know, as a Caval, you know, somebody that – sees the Cavaliers, you know, what what, what are you going to do about that? Because, you know, the Cavs don't have anybody above 6'8 to try to, like, put a hand in his face. Right, yeah, it's kind of, you just shrug your shoulders and, like, chuckle at that point. And going from KP to Boban, there was a point, I can't remember how much time it was left, but he was uh, being, he was posting up Kevin Love, and he just palmed the ball, turned over his left shoulder and just put it over Kevin Love's head and just drops in the basket. And after that beeline called the timeout and I'm just like, Oh, well you can't really do anything about that. Like it's, you try not to get frustrated at that point. Cause there's only so much you can do. Like I said, and their bigs are just not a good matchup for the Cavs when it comes to KP and Boban. I mean, who is there anyone in the league that can really guard those two? I don't think any other team is that big in the front court, right? Like maybe, like even the Lakers, if they put out like JaVale and Anthony Davis, like they're still like four or five inches smaller than both of them. So it's it's just, you can't teach height. You know, that's what they always say. So you guys got a pretty good roster construction over there, at least when it comes to the bigs. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I was going to say just I think the Lakers come to – my mind as far as a team that could potentially match up with that Hyatt situation with, with either McGee or even Dwight. Uh, I think we saw a lot of uh, Dwight and Davis at times during the Friday matchup the, the Mavericks had versus the Lakers. I, th- I think that's something that could 
certainly benefit them, and especially when they have another guy like Maxi Kleba, who's you know almost seven foot to his own right, where he, they can throw him out there with uh, KP, where he's a little bit more mobile than Boban. But it, it's refreshing to see like a guy like Boban still be engaged. You know, he's not obviously going to play every game due to matchup concerns, but you know when. Carlisle always, you know, he's he's kind of got that feel of the game like a baseball manager, so he's going to go what, you know, he feels and based on the matchup, so he's going to call everybody anybody's number whenever, you know, he feels like it's right. So props to him for being able to sh- show up and show out uh, when it was time to play, uh, you know, play the game. And I guess from my biggest take from the game, you know, from a Maverick standpoint, James is basically so they they only won nine games last season on the road, so they're they've already won three so far. So mm-hmm. we're already we're getting there. Oh my God, mm-hmm. we're getting there. Yeah, so it's 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 refreshing to see you know it, you know them actually improve based on you know it's still very early, but it's stuff like that. It, it's it's really it's a great sign to see. You certainly want the Mavericks to try to you know, capitalize on their uh, schedule the first ten, few games because it's not necessarily the strongest. I mean, they've got uh, Orlando, New York, Memphis um, within their next three games. So ideally, you would hope they could win all four. But uh, you know, any I would say if they came away with anything less than you know three out of four, something went terribly, terribly wrong. But it, it it's it was refreshing to see a team that knew they were better offensively, you know, overall, and decided to say, hey, we're more talented than these guys right now. We need to stop playing with our food, move forward, let's beat these guys, high five, and then go home. So, right. but yeah, fourth quarter, I mean, you know, Mavs dropped to 40 in the fourth, and, you know, Cavs were a little sluggish to start the fourth, and, you know, once – once the Mavericks started building that lead, it just like you blinked your eye and they were already down 16. So it was like, oof. But yeah. um, <laughs> when it when it uh, rains, it pours, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, to again, to Cleveland's credit, I feel like they played as hard as they could. Really, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really think Dallas would drop 23s. I mean, Cleveland still were pretty competitive from the three-point land as well. I mean, they shot eight, they made 18, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think a story of the game, you go back and look at it, uh, the Mavs outscored Cleveland in the paint, 40, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, 52 to 28, so, and the Mavericks don't normally do that, but they also haven't had two seven-footers of this ilk or size and ever, so that, that's obviously going to change for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, for the for the Cavs moving forward, James, is there um, anything in particular you want to see from them uh, as the season progresses, or like anything, um, you know, goals, admirations you want to see from this team the rest of the year? Um, I think as a team, just kind of keep this up. Like I said, I've been even though they're two and four, I don't know if anyone expects them to win two games already. Like last year, it took I think fourteen games just to win two. So they're already at that point. They've already won two. So just keep keep the ball moving on offense, keep the movement, and keep the effort on both ways throughout the whole game. Like there were last year, there were too many possessions of like Colin Sexton just half heartedly pounding the ball into the floor. 
until like seven seconds left and forced into taking a dumb shot just because they there was no movement there was no structure or anything because at that point Larry Drew was like he was burnt out like you said and there was no at that point there was really no direction because you just lost LeBron Kevin Love's hurt Tristan Thompson's hurt like Jordan Clarkson's your best player and you should never have to say that and feel good about it so (laughs) kind of keep up what they're doing and individually it's about the young guys man like garland and porter jr they've garland's looked pretty good even though the shots aren't necessarily falling for either of them like the potentials there you can see that they know how to play the game it's just the game's a little fast they're not mature enough physically yet and like with time obviously it'll come like it took sexton until after the all-star break last year to really figure it out, I think, or like go on that stretch he had for like six weeks where he was averaging like 21 and we don't need to talk about his assist numbers, but he was scoring over 20 points a game. Um, and just try and keep the veterans healthy. Like this team is night and day difference. Also when Kevin Love is on and off the floor, like when he came back last year, I think they were like seven and seven when he played. And, you know, they only won 19 games last year. So he really opens everything up, and he's a really strong voice on the floor for him. He helps calm the young guys down and offers a sense of, like, direction offensively and even defensively, even though he's not a good defender historically. But, yeah, other than that, um, maybe try and get some picks for, like, Brandon Knight or, like, John Henson, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just all about growth, all about working towards the future. No one's really expecting much from this team in terms of the win mark, and I don't think it's about that. So just hoping to see growth, basically. I was going to say, could this be an opportunity if somebody's trying to shed a contract to maybe try to add somebody um, to improve their playoff race? Could you see a team like Cleveland maybe taking on a bad contract to obtain some additional assets in the draft? Yeah, I, I definitely think so, especially because this summer they'll have, I think, about $50 million in cap space, approximately. So I think it's definitely in the books, especially with this free agency class being pretty pretty weak. I mean, I think Andre Drummond's, like, the best free agent that's left, or, like, Brandon Ingram, but he's restricted. So I think that's definitely still in the cards. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it, to be completely honest, especially once the um, trade deadline gets closer and... You know, they're, they've won like 15 games or something like that. They're clearly out of the playoff contention. They could look to, you know, retool for next year and gear up for the draft. But, yeah, it's, def- it's definitely a possibility. It wouldn't su- I don't think it surprised anybody if they started doing that again like they did last year, bringing in Brandon Knight and uh, John Henson even and bringing Delhi back, stuff like that. So it's definitely in the cards. I was going to – I just – I'm so sorry, James. I had a question that popped in my head that could relate to the Cavs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, last year when the Mavericks did draft Luka, there was questions about uh, Luka and DSJ's, like, like ability to work together. Like, how is that going to fit? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like – is there any concern down the road that the Cavs may have to, like, pick one of the other over Saxton or Garland? Um, I think I think you'd be kind of ignorant to not consider that a uh, potential problem because, I mean, two ball-dominant guards don't work a lot of the times. I think a likely scenario is 
a couple of years down the line, you either trade Clarkson or you know you just don't resign him. Kevin Porter Jr. kind of takes over that uh, two guard spot, and Colin Sexton goes to the bench and kind of takes Jordan Clarkson's role now. Um, but I mean, they both seem. I mean, they seem to be really good friends so far. I haven't heard anything bad. Like you kind of heard DSJ be disgruntled a little bit last year, or his camp be disgruntled. So I don't think that will be a problem, but I don't think it's out of the cards either, just because we don't know how these guys are. Like we just hear snippets from the media or whatever. So, you know, if Garland like clearly becomes better than Sexton in the near future, that could like piss him off and like rub him the wrong way. But I don't think it's as likely as the DSJ and Luca situation is. But again, it's possible. Anything's possible. We all know this. So. Yeah, and just kind of wrap, wrap everything up, James. What what have you thought of the season so far? Has there been anything that's really surprised you as far as a team's performance, a player performance, or anything that's been kind of like caught you off guard as far as a team struggling or uh, maybe a player struggling? Um, I think, well, obviously the Warriors, but they've just fallen off because of injuries. It's, I don't think it's because of their play necessarily because, I mean, they're – they might. They're probably going to be the worst team in the league this year. I think we can all, if Steph doesn't come back, we can all like kind of conclude that. Um, the Suns aren't. I think they're four and two, and they're two points away from being six and zero. Um, they're really surprising, and they don't even even have DeAndre eight, and he's still suspended for like twenty two more games or something like that. Um, the T Wolves, they're four and one. They're surprising me. Cat seems to be, you know tired of being called soft as we saw with the fight with Embiid and I think he's ready to prioritize really prioritize winning and I guess the Hornets already winning two games I didn't expect that because their roster is it's just not good their best players Terry Rozier and it's kind of the Jordan Clarkson situation I don't think you necessarily want that um but yeah I, I think there's been more pleasant surprises than like bad surprises the Kings not being good is kind of surprising but they're still really young and they're still I think they're still figuring things out there's kind of a high from last year being in the playoff race for so long and then kind of falling out of it towards the end I think they'll eventually figure it out but with a young team there's ebbs and flows to every season and you can't overreact you know six games into the year so overall I think those are things that surprise me the most yeah, I'm with you 100%. It's unfortunate to see the circumstances of the Warriors. I just Even when Curry and Green were healthy, I watched their game versus OKC last weekend. It was just, I don't know, man. I, I think it just, they, they've got a lot of new parts, new players. They just really looked all out of sorts where it just, it seemed like they really needed almost like another offseason to kind of get their wheels together as far as their personnel and everything. So... Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to just blame everything off on injuries. They looked out of sync even before Curry went down, and now Draymond's going to be out for a while. And for Sacramento, I mean, you can kind of almost use the same logic and reasoning. It, you know, they have got a brand-new coach in Luke Walton. He kind of had a lot of off-season cloud around him, for, you know, where's, like, all his off, you know, his sexual assault, you know, issues and stuff like that. And, 
he they're having to kind of get used to what he wants to run and all the new players they're trying to implement with between all their veterans their new their young players trying to grow uh bagley's obviously been hurt which has obviously affected their play a little bit uh, but they want to you know they've won two in a row now so maybe gradually they're starting to kind of get there it's kind of you know kind of surprised the lakers have already started off five and one i mean i shouldn't say that but i mean to me i just i'm not really uberly impressed with the roster but i mean hey it, it's better than expected i mean maybe that offseason arrest has gotten lebron's gears back to you know hey i'm hungry and i want to win an nba title again if that's the case that's going to be a really scary proposition <laughs> yeah I, I definitely think so i mean He's actually putting effort in defensively, which is really, really weird in the regular season. But yeah, their roster feels like a throwback to the past. Like if you if you gave me this roster in like 2010, like you'd think they'd win 78 games. But it's it's just kind of imp- names that you're like, oh wow, he's still in the NBA, even though I mean they're playing well. So I mean, I'm not a Lakers hater as a lot of people are. So, I mean, I'm expecting them to be really good. Just we'll see as the season progresses. And, like, we know Anthony Davis is fragile. Like, I don't – I'm obviously not wishing injuries, but I'm just being realistic here. Like, he's probably going to miss, like, 15 to 20 games. And who knows with LeBron. I mean, he had his first major injury last year. And hopefully it's not a trend. It doesn't – Oh, yeah, like I said, hopefully it's not a trend. I don't think anyone wants to see him hurt. I don't think it's good for basketball for him to be hurt. Um, yeah, I think the Lakers are going to be really good. Yeah, I, as much as I'm like kind of like not Team LeBron, the NBA is more fun when he is playing, whether you can you want to cheer him or boom, most definitely. And James, I can't thank you enough for hopping on, man. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure chatting with you whether it's talking Cavs, basketball or just life in general if uh, you want to go ahead and plug your podcast and let folks know where they can follow you on uh, social media cool uh yeah, you can follow me on twitter at underscore everything Cavs. i'm most active on there i love you know just talking basketball to anybody it doesn't have to be Cavs necessarily uh, you can give me a random person and i'd talk to your off about this stuff um or you can follow my personal page at james underscore lockery seven and you can find my podcast, Everything Cavaliers, on you know all the major podcasting flat platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Those are generally the three main and like easiest ways to access. And it's on all three of those platforms, so go check it out. Thank you so much, James. And if you want to give me a follow, you can uh, check me out at uh, first and last name, Brian Zilm on Twitter. Podcast is available on Twitter as well, at Blue Hardwood. My iPhone users, if you could provide me a rate and review at your earliest convenience, I would certainly appreciate it. Five stars, five stars. And thank you so much. Uh, That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And peace.